Part three, chapter thirty of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Benyanat Malevsky. Part three, chapter thirty. Vinicius to Petronius. We are kept well informed, dear friend, of what is going on in Rome, and what we do not know we learn from your letters. When a stone is cast in the water, the waves go farther and farther in a widening circle, and so a wave of madness has reached us from the Palatine. Carinus, sent by Caesar into Greece, stopped here on his way. On his march he despoiled cities and temples to replete the treasury. From the sweat and tears of the people will be built the golden house in Rome. It is possible that the world heretofore has not beheld such a house, but it has not beheld such injustice either. You know, Carinus, Chilo was of his ilk until he redeemed his life with death, but his men have not yet come to towns lying in our immediate neighborhood, for the reason, perhaps, that they have neither temples nor treasures. You ask us whether we are safe. I will say only that we are forgotten, and let that suffice for an answer. At the moment that I am writing these words, I see our peaceful bay and Ursus in a boat upon it, letting a net down into the quiet waters. My wife sits beside me, spinning wool. Our servants sing in the shadow of the almond trees. What peace and quiet, O oh my dear friend! What a contrast to our old-time alarm and suffering! Tis not the fates, as thou assertest, but Christ, our Lord and our God, who blesses us. We are not strangers to tears and to sorrow, for our religion teaches us to grieve over the affliction of others. But these tears hold within them a comfort unknown to thee, for when our lives are ended we shall find again the beloved ones who are perishing and have perished for the truth of God. Peter and Paul are not dead to us. They have been reborn into glory. We see them with the eyes of our souls, and though our bodily eyes may weep, yet our hearts rejoice with their joy. Yea, dear friend, we are happy with a happiness that can know no end, because death, which for thee is the end of everything, is for us only the beginning of a higher happiness." So the days and the months pass in perfect peace. Our servants and slaves believe as we do in Christ, and in Christ's gospel of love, so we all love one another. Often when the sun has set, or when the moon shines on the water, Lygia and I hold converse about the past, which now seems all a dream. When I remember how near was that beloved head to torture and death, I glorify God with my whole soul, for he alone could have rescued her from the arena and returned her into my hands. Petronius, thou hast known what comfort and fortitude that religion can give in the midst of afflictions, what courage in the face of death. Now come and witness the joy it can give in everyday life. The world has not hitherto known a God whom it could love, so men did not love one another. Hence arose all manner of afflictions. For just as light proceeds from the sun, so does happiness proceed from love. The lawgivers and the philosophers have not known this truth. It had no existence in Greece or in Rome, and by Rome I mean the whole world. The dry, cold philosophy of the Stoics, which appeals to so many who would fain be virtuous, does indeed temper the heart as steel is tempered, but it hardens rather than improves it. 
but why do i write this to thee who art more learned and more clever than i thou hast known paul of tarsus and hast held converse with him more than once hence thou knowest better than i how empty and how vain what a glittering show of meaningless words are the teachings of rhetoricians and philosophers compared to the religion which he preached thou canst recall the question he asked thee if caesar were a christian would ye not all feel safer more secure in your possessions freer from alarm and more certain of the morrow thou hast told me that our creed was an enemy of life i tell thee now that if from the beginning to the end of this letter i simply repeated these three words i am happy i could not sufficiently emphasize that happiness thou mayest make answer that my happiness is lygia there is truth in that o oh my friend but that is because i love her immortal soul and each loves the other in christ such love can know neither separation nor disloyalty nor alteration nor age nor death even after youth and beauty have passed away and our bodies are withered and death touches us love will remain for the spirit remains ere my eyes were opened to the light i would have burned down my own home for the sake of lygia but now i say that i did not know what love was until christ showed me the way he is the source of love and of joy contrast thy luxuries filled full as they are with alarm thy joys uncertain of the morrow thy orgies with the lives led by christians and an answer must at once be forthcoming but for a better comparison come to our hills fragrant with thyme come to our olive groves and ivy-covered shores such calm awaits thee as thou hast never before experienced and the sincere love of loyal hearts with thy noble soul thou wilt find joy here thy nimble wit will see the truth and seeing it will learn to love it men like caesar and tigellinus may hate it but none can be indifferent to it o oh, petronius lygia and i find solace in the thought that thou wilt soon be with us be well be happy come and visit us petronius received vinitius's letter in cumae whither he had departed together with other augustales in the company of caesar his long struggle against tigellinus was nearing its end petronius knew that he must be beaten in the end and he understood the reasons as caesar fell gradually lower to the role of the comedian mountebank charioteer as he sank deeper in a slough of coarse dissipation the arbiter of elegance became a nuisance to him even in the silence of petronius nero read disapproval his very praises nero interpreted as sarcasm the illustrious patrician offended his self-love and provoked his envy his riches and his magnificent works of art had become objects of desire both to the sovereign and to his powerful minister petronius had been spared with a view to this journey to achaea in which his taste and his knowledge of greek art might prove useful but tigellinus attempted to prove to caesar that carinus excelled the arbiter in taste and erudition and that he would be better able to arrange the games receptions and triumphs in achaea from that moment the doom of petronius was sealed but caesar had not the courage to send him his sentence in rome 
both caesar and tigellinus called to mind that this indolent aesthete who turned day into night and was interested only in art and banquets and luxury had shown great power of work and energy at the time when he was proconsul in bithynia and afterwards when consul in the capital he commanded great respect in rome where he possessed not only the love of the people but also of the praetorians none of caesar's advisers could foresee exactly how petronius would act so it seemed safer to get him out of the city and to strike at him in a province consequently petronius received an invitation to go with other augustales to cumae though he suspected treachery he went along in order perhaps not to make a display of open resistance and to show once more to caesar and to the augustales a face joyful and free from care and so gain a final victory before death over tigellinus meanwhile the latter accused him of friendship with senator scevinus who was the head and front of piso's conspiracy servants of petronius remaining in rome were imprisoned his home was surrounded by praetorian guards when he received this news he showed no alarm or concern but with a smile said to such augustales as he was entertaining in his own beautiful villa in cumae bronzebeard likes not direct questions so you will see how confused he will be when i ask him whether it was he who ordered my people to be imprisoned then he bade them to a feast before the longer journey he was preparing for the banquet when the letter from vinitius arrived on its receipt petronius grew somewhat thoughtful but in a little while his face resumed its wonted calm expression during the evening he answered as follows i rejoice at your happiness and wonder at your good heart for i had not thought that two lovers could remember a third person at a distance you not only have not forgotten me but invite me to sicily to share with me your bread and your christ who as thou writest has showered happiness upon you if this be true honor him i think however o friend that lygia was restored to thee partly by the aid of ursus and partly also by the roman people if caesar were another man i should think that further persecutions would be stopped through consideration of thy kinship to him through the granddaughter of tiberius but if thou believest that christ was the sole cause of lygia's rescue i will not dispute with thee so spare no sacrifices to him prometheus also sacrificed himself for mankind but alas prometheus is probably an invention of the poets while truthful men have told me that they have seen christ with their own eyes i have come to think with thee that he is the most worthy of the gods i remember the question of paul of tarsus and think that if bronzebeard lived according to the precepts of christ i might find time to visit you in sicily then in the shade of tree and by fountains we could discuss all the gods and all the truths that have been debated among the greek philosophers of all time to-day i must give thee a brief answer two philosophers only do i respect the name of one is pyrrho and anacreon is the other the rest i will sell thee cheap together with the whole school of greek stoics and our own truth abides somewhere so high that the gods themselves cannot see it from the heights of olympus to thee dearest friend thy olympus seems still higher and standing upon it thou callest down to me ascend and thou wilt see such sights as thou hadst not dreamed of heretofore perhaps but i answer friend i have not the legs 
and when thou reachest the end of this letter thou wilt acknowledge that i am right no happy spouse of the princess aurora thy creed is not for me should i love the bithynians who carry my litter the egyptians who prepare my bath am i to love bronzebeard and tigellinus by the white knees of the graces i swear to thee that even if i desired to love them i could not there are in rome at least one hundred thousand persons who have either crooked shoulders or big knees or thin legs cross eyes or heads too large for them dost thou command me to love them also where can i find that love if i do not feel it in my heart and if thy god wishes that i love them all why in his omnipotence did he not endow them with for example the forms of niobe's children which thou hast seen on the palatine whoever loves beauty cannot for that very reason love ugliness one may disbelieve in our gods but it is possible to love them as did phidias praxiteles myron scopius and lysias even should i desire to go whither thou wouldst lead me i could not thou believest like paul of tarsus that some time beyond the styx in some elysian fields thou wilt see thy christ well let him say then himself whether he would accept me with my gems my myrrhine vase my editions of sosius and my golden-haired eunice i smile at the thought of this my friend for paul of tarsus declared to me that for christ's sake it was necessary to renounce rose garlands banquets and luxuries true he promised me other happiness but i replied that i was too old for new joys and that roses will always delight my eyes and that the odor of violets will always be sweeter to me than the smell of some dirty neighbor from the Sabura these are reasons why thy happiness cannot be mine but there is also another reason which i reserve for the last it is that death calls me for thee life is beginning to dawn but for me the sun is already set and twilight is descending upon my head in other words i must die o oh dear one it is not worth while to speak at length about this it had to end thus thou who knowest bronzebeard wilt readily understand tigellinus has conquered or rather my victories reached their end i have lived as i pleased and will die as it pleases me do not grieve no god has promised me immortality hence i am not taken by surprise but thou art mistaken vinitius in affirming that only thy god teaches men to die calmly no our world knew before you that when the last cup is drained it is time to depart to rest and it knows yet how to do this serenely plato says that virtue is music and that the life of a philosopher is harmony if this be true i shall die as i have lived virtuously i should like to say farewell to thy divine wife with the words i once spoke to her in the house of aulus i have seen many persons but thy equal never so if the soul is something more than what pyrrho thinks mine will fly to thee on the way to the limits of the ocean and will alight at thy house in the form of a butterfly or as the egyptians believe of a hawk otherwise i cannot come meantime let sicily take the place of the gardens of hesperides may the divinities of the field and the forest and the fountains scatter flowers on your path and may white doves build their nests on every acanthus of the columns of your house
End of part three, chapter thirty.